Did you know the vaccines were renamed, Alyssa? I did. Um, I think they are kind of like inspired by Pokemon names in a way. Like we have Moderna, Spikevax, and Pfizer. What's and- the uh, yeah? What's the Pfizer? It's like Comer Comernatty. Yeah, it's like I can't pronounce it. It's only to do with like immunity and community. Pfizer has actually been a major point of news recently, and not just for the excessively weird name change. New data has been published this month that suggests that the efficacy of the vaccine may decrease by a lot after just five months. Personally, I find this kind of terrifying to hear, so you're definitely not alone if that news sounds scary to you. Just under a year ago, Pfizer was one of two vaccines that were being looked at as like our knights in shining armor, riding in on horseback or, you know, needleback to stop the SARS-CoV-2 virus in its tracks. In the months that followed, it looked like it was doing exactly that. Here in Ontario, where vaccine uptake was pretty high, we saw it help to end the third wave of the pandemic and hugely stem the magnitude of the fourth. This new data has left many people wondering about the future of the pandemic, their safety, and the possibility of third, fourth, or even semi-annual doses. I'm Sam Marchetti, and welcome back to On the Sidelines. Joining us on the sidelines today to talk about the Pfizer vaccine is Alyssa Burroughs, a biology and pharmacology major with a certificate in immunology, a master's candidate studying the impact of COVID-19 on allergy and immunology, and a science for everyone researcher. Thanks for joining us, Alyssa. Thank you so much for having me, Sam. So let's get right to it. Who was being observed in this study, this new data that just came out? Was it like Pfizer recipients just from wealthy countries, just one country? Like what was going on there? Yeah, so the study was published on October 3rd, so very recently, and they were just observing people in the U.S., um, and they had several different age groups. So they had a 12 to 15-year-old age group that they were monitoring, 16 to 44, 45 to 40, or 45 to 64 years old, and then people older than 65. And they had over 3 million people, so about 3,400,000 involved in the study. So for the population, they had about 1% of the entire U.S. that they were able to monitor for the study which is very interesting. That's pretty cool. That's actually like a huge amount, right? Yeah. So how did they monitor them? Just like, was it so basically, did they only list positive cases um, as people who voluntarily went to get tested or were they like regularly testing this population? Yeah, they, I know they were looking at people who had a year's worth of data in like a hospital database to see how often people were getting hospitalized and they also had vaccine records for. Um, so I don't know if it was specific hospitals that they were looking at or if it was just the ones that they had access to for data. But um, yeah, so they were looking at hospitalization rates and stuff like that. So what have people been taking away from this study? Yeah, so I think the most important thing that they took away was that vaccine efficacy against um symptomatic disease, so just people getting COVID, um, has decreased over time. Um, So specifically, we have for the youngest cohort of group, um, for the 16 to 44s, in the first month, they found that 89% of people who got vaccinated um, were protected from getting any symptoms of COVID-19. And then by month five, this has decreased to like 39%. And then for the 45 to 64-year-olds, we have 87% for month one. um, And then this decreases to 50%. Uh, over time. And then for the 60 plus year olds, we have, or 65 plus, we have 80% in one month. And then by month five, when they were monitoring, they found that um, the vaccine efficacy had decreased by 43%. 
So that is a pretty startling uh, decrease in all of those groups, right? That's a decrease of, you know, like more or less half almost, right? In in two out of those three groups, it's a decrease of like half. So why are some epidemiologists taking the kind of stance that, you know, this isn't the most important number to be looking at? Yeah, so depend different vaccines, when they measure the outcomes of trials, have different like outcomes that they're looking for. So one thing that you can look for is, do people get sick? Like, do people get the disease that you're looking at to prevent? And in some cases, people who are vaccinated will get um, the disease that you're looking to prevent, but they won't get it as severely. And for COVID-19, um, just because we know how how it can affect people and you can end up in the hospital, we don't want our hospital system to get overwhelmed. So protecting people against um, being hospitalized is super important because we only have a limited number of resources, whether that's physicians and nurses or actual just bed space. So, so we're looking a lot at uh, we're looking a lot at you know what's the stress in the hospital as opposed to just getting the disease at all. So we're essentially saying you know it's okay if we still get the disease as long as we can all recover from it fairly quickly at home. Yeah, and I know there is evidence out there to suggest that if you are vaccinated and you have an infection, your infection's not going to be as severe and it probably won't be as long, and potentially that you might not spread it as easily to other people. Uh, but that's still. A work in progress towards figuring out like definitively if that's true or not. It's kind of hard to study. So what do the numbers look like when we look at just the efficacy of the Pfizer vaccine against hospitalizations? They are still looking excellent. Um, so for one month uh, afterwards, for the youngest age groups, the 16 to 44 year olds, they had 87% efficacy. And by month five, it was at 90% efficacy. Um, and then for 45 to 64, it was 91 in month one and 90 in month five. And then for 65 plus year olds, it was 84 in month one and 83 in month five. So like basically no change. Like, So we're still taking a lot of stress off of the, the healthcare system. The vaccine with the two doses is currently doing the job that we need it to do still. Yes, most certainly. Who's ending up in our hospitals right now? Is our, who's ending up in our hospitals right now, unfortunately, is people who aren't vaccinated at all or partially vaccinated, um, but most likely to end up in the hospital if you're unvaccinated. So we've talked a lot about in, uh, you know, I guess around the world, um, most of the restrictions that were put in place because of COVID-19 were, you know, put in place with a goal of not overwhelming our healthcare systems or hospitals. Um, mm-hmm. So it, the doses, it kind of sounds like two doses is still doing that five months later. It's still stopping people from going to the hospitals. And, you know, yet governments are still considering third doses for the general population. So whether or not they do decide to go forward with third doses for the general population in countries like ours, um, what happens in either case? For right now, I think it's safe to say that having as much of the population as possible uh, vaccinated to two doses will give us more than enough protection because we're still going to protect our hospital systems. Um, And specifically, what I most worry about is just how inequitable the global rollout of vaccines has been. So in September, the WHO issued a memorandum on vaccination asking for countries to withhold booster doses in their country until 10% of every other country has been vaccinated. For high-income countries like ours specifically, um, we've ministered anywhere from 50 doses for 100 people since May, and that number is likely doubled. And according to uh, and also in low-income countries, out of every 100 people, they've only administered 1.5 doses, so much, much less. And these countries also tend to have less access to adequate medical care, and they also have other burdens of disease besides COVID-19. Yeah, so 
I think like why wealthy na- some wealthy nations like France, Germany, the UK, and ourselves, um, Canada are only doing third doses in vulnerable populations or people at risk um, is so that hopefully we get the rest of the world vaccinated because the more susceptible people there are worldwide who aren't protected by any sort of vaccination, whether it's one dose or two dose, then there's more hosts for the virus to mutate in. And we don't want more variants of concern arising. And the more people we have the infected, the more likely we would have variants of concern arise. So holding back third doses isn't just, um, it's not purely an altruistic uh, kind of action to save doses for everyone. So everyone gets protected, but it's also a little bit selfish to make sure that, you know, the virus isn't mutating and we're not staring down the barrel of another pandemic of a whole different making that our current vaccines don't protect against. Yeah, it's, it's both. It's selfish. It's kind of selfish. It's also kind of selfless. And it's sci- more scientifically sound, I think, of an approach than just vaccinating your population fully for the third time. So on that note, has there been any word on a timeline in Canada when we might know if everyone's just going to get third doses? Have they like, you know, mentioned, has anyone kind of mentioned whether they're coming to that decision? I, I couldn't find anything that people were mentioning a third dose. I think it's going to be a moving target. Um, so right now, as I said earlier, just people who are immunocompromised, living in long-term care facilities, or people who are senior and living in congregate settings will likely get a booster dose soon. Otherwise, I think it's hard to tell. I think some take-home messages are if you've had two doses, you're protected from severe disease and hospitalization. So encouraging your uh, family, friends, and loved ones to get vaccinated against COVID if they haven't already. And also just to keep an eye out for flu shots because there are other viruses that go around as well. So um, I don't think third boosters are in the coming up for us right now, but I think flu shots are. So, Thanks, Alyssa. And thank you again for tuning in. And remember to subscribe for more conversations and some insightful answers to your questions about the science impacting your world. If you want to learn more about the COVID-19 pandemic, vaccine efficacy, or any of the other topics we've talked about on the show, visit us on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok at SciForEveryone and on our website at scienceforeveryone.ca. On the Sidelines is a podcast by Science for Everyone. It's produced by Sam Marchetti, Connor McLean, June Kim, Taneshwari Rajendran, and Cheryl Nguyen, with editorial help provided by Kayla Benjamin. On the Sidelines is sponsored by the University of Toronto's Student Engagement Grant.